broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We are back. Happy Martin Luther King Day. We are back at the Oyo, the Underground Lounge, inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're here every single Monday for Monday Night Football throughout the course of the 2022 season. That's what we did. We were here last week for the National Championship game, and we are here today for the finish, the finality of the Super Wild Card Weekend, which in my opinion has been very super and a little bit wild. It's been a lot of fun watching the NFL playoffs this past weekend, and we're here to close out the week at the OYO, the Underground Lounge. We're here every single Monday night, and I'll tell you this, with it being MLK Day, and it's kind of ugly day earlier today. It was rainy, windy, a little cold out. We had the parade here in Las Vegas, so shout out to anyone who went to the parade. Uh, you know, it's got a lot going on, but right now, looking up at the TV screens right now, the Warriors in, in Washington – uh, there's about seven minutes and 45 seconds left in the game. The Warriors are down 3-103-106. Um, we just finished watching Purdue hold on to a, a victory over Michigan State. Looked like they were going to be upset. There's a lot of sports on. That's the point I'm trying to make. There's a lot of sports on right now, and it's really cool to see. And then, of course, it'll be capped off with NFL playoff action a little bit later on this evening. Tampa Bay versus the Dallas Cowboys. Big-time game right there. A game that I have a lot of interest in regardless but I wonder how much interest Raider Nation has in this game tonight just because of all the storylines that have already been rolled out there as far as who could potentially be the quarterback for next year. But that's the time. We'll talk about that later on in the show. I do want to say before we really get into the teeth of the show, uh, earlier this morning we did, a, we did kind of a little a testing show from uh, 7 to 9 a.m. We had the morning tailgate, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, DeMond was in the studio, Jared was in the studio, uh, I was at the home studio. We got new studios. We're uh, moving our studio from where it was down the hallway, and so we're really trying to work on getting all the kinks worked out. So at any point throughout the course of the next three hours, if you hear anything that might sound a little bit different than what you normally hear, it's because we're still working out the kinks. <laughs> so uh, just bear with us. Like I said, we're going to try to continue to bring everything to you the normal way that we, uh, you know, we usually do. But everything, you know, there's something new. There's always some kind of, like I said, little kinks that you've got to work out. Uh, in the meantime, in between time. And I will say that I think that the engineers, Jamie, Greg, Kevin, uh, all the cats behind the scene, they've been doing a fantastic job. So we definitely appreciate all of them for their efforts and everything that they've been able to do to get us where we're at right now. And they're going to continue to work behind the scenes to make sure that we are good to go. Damon Cotton is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I know he's got my man Danny by him, who's also trying to learn the new system that we got going on. We got a lot of cool things coming. That's what I'm excited about, Raider Nation, is not only did we – uh, we're able to navigate through another football season. But now that we have these new studios, the things that we're going to be able to do or, you know, theory we're going to be able to do moving forward are going to be really exciting and be able to uh, up what we do already and take it to a whole nother level. So it's something to get excited about. So uh, today was a day when most people are off work and when asked if we would work because we wanted to make sure that everything was working out fine, we were like, yes, <laughs> there's no doubt because we want to make sure everything is good to go. So uh, that's just a little bit of a peek behind the scenes of what we got going on here at Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, here at the Underground Lounge, there's already a bunch of uh, Vegas Golden Knight fans here as uh, VGK will be in action in about an hour. So that will be on these TVs as well. Unless you're going to the game, you could do that as well. Maybe stop by here, uh, have a pregame beverage or two. Like I said, the, the puck will drop there at 3 o'clock. So there is a lot of action 
going on. Of course, there's a lot of action that we got to get to here on the show as well. If you want to come on by and hang out with us, if you're off work or maybe if you're just getting off work and you just want to come on by and hang out for a while, there's plenty of drink specials, plenty of food specials, and a great environment here, plenty of TVs, plenty of uh, sports action, whatever you want. Basketball, it's on. Football, it'll be on. The Golden Knights, it'll be on. I mean, everything that you can imagine will be on the TV screens here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. And, of course, each and every day that we're on the air, we have a lot of great guests that we bring to the table, and that's no different than today. Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, as well as the RJ. He'll join us like he does every Monday at 2.30. Just talk about the Raiders, talk about what he saw from the playoffs this past weekend and where the Raiders are, you know, in, in, realistically, in realistic terms. You know, where the Raiders are as far as how close to being a team that you just saw play over the course of the weekend. And it's always interesting. I always like to pay attention to the teams and then and kind of gauge them with the Raiders and say, okay, well, the Raiders could easily play with that team. They could easily play with that team. I'll tell you right now, there's not a team that I saw this super wild card weekend that the Raiders couldn't play with. Now, we understand the situation. We know that they were only a six-win team, so, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, ifs and buts, I get all that. But as far as offensively, there's not a team that they couldn't run with that's played all weekend. There just isn't. The Bills, they look good until they didn't, right, until Miami almost upset them. (laughs) Cincinnati, they look good until they didn't. So Baltimore almost got him with the backup quarterback. I mean, you know, there's just there's there's teams that played well, but they just weren't so dominant where you're like, yes, there's no doubt that team is the best team in the league. There's, you just didn't see it this weekend. Now maybe next weekend in the divisional playoffs, maybe you'll see someone that you say, okay, that's the team I'm penciling in to be playing in Glendale, Arizona for the final game of the, the year, February 12th, when the Super Bowl is there. Maybe we'll be able to do that then. But from this past weekend, and I don't think it'll be any different tonight when we watch Tampa Bay and Dallas, I didn't see a team that was just head and shoulders better than the Raiders. Now, obviously, the Raiders struggled defensively, and that's a big issue. And there was teams that actually hung around in games because of the defense, which is another reason why the defense needs to be a priority this offseason for the Silver and Black, because even with a backup quarterback, teams were able to hang in games by creating turnovers and, and doing really well in special teams. It's so funny. We don't really spend a whole lot of time on this show talking about special teams. But when you look, at the, it, you look at the games that were played this weekend, there was a lot of big defensive plays and a lot of big special teams plays that really helped change the course of the games and really gave teams that shouldn't have had an opportunity to win games opportunities to win games, right? I mean, so it's either a special team mistake or a big-time special team play. It just, it just, we always talk about there's three phases of the game, but we don't really emphasize special teams that much until there's a big mistake. Usually that's when we really talk about it is when someone made a huge error when there was a missed kick or a block punt or, you know, something like that. But just all in all, man, there was a lot of good special teams that I saw this weekend that really helped teams stay in games and big defensive plays that helped teams get back in games, like the Dolphins, right? The Bills just about turned the, the ball over and special team did away. <laughs> I mean, there was, what, three turnovers that Josh Allen had, two interceptions and a fumble for a touchdown. And then they also had some big returns. Miami had some big returns by way of special teams. That was the recipe right there. Well, I thought it was all in all a really good weekend of football, and I'm excited to see uh, the, end, the end result, which is Tampa Bay uh, hosting the Dallas Cowboys. And Dallas has a lot of, there's a lot of storylines when it comes to the Cowboys and what they haven't done in a very long time as far as win games. And it, to me, as a guy that covered the Cowboys for a long time, feels like a game that there's like no doubt that they'll just go in and win because there's so many things that are against them. And my man Danny in the studio, he's a, he's a Cowboy fan, so he knows whenever there's like a, a narrative about how much – how much the Cowboys can't do this or they haven't done this. It's like that's the one game that they'll go win. Now, when they're supposed to go win and everyone's like, oh, no, they got too much 
too many weapons. This is too good. Their defense is too good. That's the game they'll go lay an egg. I mean, it's just that is Dallas Cowboy football to a T. So as many storylines that are going against them going into this game tonight against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, if we're talking about them winning tomorrow, it would not shock me at all. Would not shock me at all. But we'll get to a preview of tonight's game a little bit later on. Matter of fact, in hour three of the show. But Ed Graney will join us at 2.30 to talk all things playoffs and all things Raiders. At 3 o'clock, John McClain, GalleriesSports.com and Sports Radio 610. Normally he joins us on Tuesdays, but he's got Hall of Fame voting. So I guess we'll let him out of his duties to join the radio show to, to handle some Hall of Fame voting. That's kind of a big deal. So he let me know that, Q, I could join the show on Monday or Friday. So we said, you know what, John, we'll, we'll let you do the Ricky Henderson and we'll let you lead off the week. So uh, he's going to lead us off at 3 o'clock, kick off hour number two of the show. We'll definitely deep dive into all things NFL with him. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson and his situation in Baltimore. That looks like a situation that's uh, going towards an ugly divorce. And, and who knows? Who knows how they repair that relationship? But something's got to be done there in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson as they got sent home on Sunday Night Football. Cincinnati got that W. So we'll talk to John McClain as we always do on Tuesdays. We'll just do it a day earlier at 3 o'clock. At 3.30, our good friend Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, he'll join the show as well. Really talk about some Raiders offseason priorities and really kind of how do you construct that defense to be what it needs to be? How do you get that defense to where it's at least respectable to, to the point where it can keep you in games? You know, I think the offense could run with anybody. I really do. And I know there was games where the offense just laid eggs. I, there's no doubt. But I really think that the Raiders' offense is going to be just fine. I don't know who their trigger man is going to be. Obviously, that's very important. But I think that they've shown that they have the weapons. They have the, they have the, the players and the talent to get it done. A few tweaks here to the offensive line, and whoever the trigger man is, I think the offense is going to be just fine. The question is, how is the defense going to be able to complement them? It doesn't have to be the strength. It doesn't have to be the Baltimore Ravens, where that's the strength of their team, but it's just got to be better. It's got to be better than it has been. So we'll talk to Mark McMillan, all things uh, just Raiders, construction of their team, what he'll be looking for them to do this offseason, and the obvious is they got to go get a quarterback. I mean, we know that. That's Probably their number one priority, figure out what they're going to do with D.C. as far as a trade or if they're going to flat out release them and then move on from there. I get that. So that's not something that we have to really discuss in deep, deep conversation. You know, we all know we all know that that what's coming down that 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 pipeline. So uh, we'll join Mark McMillan at three thirty or he'll join the show at three thirty. So Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas in the RJ at two thirty. John McClain, Gallery Sports dot com. Sports Radio 610 at 3, and Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, at 3.30. We'll even ask him about his grill and McMillan. He's, got, uh, he, he's teamed up with uh, Gorilla Grills. And I don't know about you, Damon, but do you, have a, uh, do you have a grill at the house, Damon? Did I, did I ask you yet? Uh, just a very basic setup with the grill. You know, nothing special. No Gorilla Grill. Nothing like that. Okay. I don't have one either. Actually, the only grill that we have at the house is, uh, is Jason in uh, Vegas Jess's tailgate grill which is very tiny, like you could put like one steak on it and call it a day. And so he said that that's the grill that they use for tailgating. Uh, we didn't bring one. We sold ours. We sold like everything. We moved from Texas here. We basically sold everything so we didn't have to travel with it. So we said we were going to get a grill, but I haven't gone and got one yet. But I saw Mark tweeting about his Gorilla Grill partnership that he's got. And I'll tell you what, if I'm going to get a grill, I might as well go all out, right? Go and get the Gorilla Grill. That thing looks like a hog. I don't know if you saw that picture. He tweeted it at us. I don't know if you saw it, but, man, that thing looks that looks legit. I can't do anything with it. I'll tell you right now, I'm exactly. the worst on the grill. The only thing I can do with the grill is clean it and put it in the, and store it in the right spot. The wife will be the one that uses it, but it looks legit. So you're telling me you're not out here grilling, Q? You're not the grill master? You no. ain't out here? No, not at all. Not chefing it up? No. Man. No, not at all. I'm terrible. Q, I am I terrible. You, I, I got my mother's jeans when it came to cooking. 
No, look, I am my mother's son when it comes to cooking. She can't cook worth a lick, and I can't either. But that's okay. We are comfortable with that. That's the thing about it. Like, people think, oh, that's embarrassing. No, it's not. No, not at all. Because we're comfortable in our own skin. So we know that, hey, we can't cook, but we can clean. So if you cook, <laughs> guess what? We'll be there to clean up the mess afterwards, and it'll, be, and it'll look good. We'll be clean. This weekend, I saw a tweet, and I was, like, interested. Dollar Tree has steaks. So I bought a $3 steak from Dollar Tree this past weekend. And let me tell you. Not bad. Shut your ass up. I would not do it you again. To, you went to the dollar store for a steak. Yes, I did. Now I know why you're single. Don't say that out loud, dude. Don't say that out loud. Don't ever tell anybody you went to the dollar store and bought a steak, man. Keep that between us. Man, well, we just told everybody. Everyone here at the OYO, the Underground Lounge, that heard me just say that you bought a Dollar Tree steak. You bought a steak from the dollar store. Everyone, at the, everyone here is embarrassed for you. Everyone is embarrassed here for you. Like, how are you going to tell a girl, hey, look, I'm going to cook a steak for you. Oh, where'd you get the steak from? The Dollar Tree. Are you serious? I just wanted to see because I was like, Dollar Tree got steaks? At le- let me see what they're talking about. And I can tell you, you know, I went through this experiment so other people didn't have to. And I can tell Man, you. Not look, good. don't tell anyone else that you ever did that in your life. That will, you will, you will get video. divorced before you get married. You will get divorce papers before you get married, my man. So should I delete that off my Instagram feed? Yes. You should delete it. You should not ever, like, you know how uh, the kids erase the history and your computers? Do all that stuff, man. Go incognito. Do what you got to do. Don't let anyone know that you bought a steak for a dollar at the dollar store. Don't do that, man. It was $3, actually. You know, it was, you know, it was like one of those premium things. Not everything at the Dollar Tree is just $1 anymore in inflation. The point is you got it at the dollar store, and it's a steak. Man, come on. That's unbelievable. I'm going to act like that didn't happen. I'm going to act like that didn't happen. Move I on. actually think it's a better idea for you to send out memes to girls when you're trying to get to know them than it is to say that you bought a, a steak from the dollar store and you're going to cook it. That's ridiculous, man. You done thrown the whole show off now. I got I to gotta, I gotta call a timeout and, and reset. <laughs> I can't believe my man done bought a steak. I never even knew that they had steaks. I didn't either. That's why I wanted to see what it was about. <laughs> You let someone else try that, man. Don't, you know, why don't you make that suggestion for, like, Jared? Jared would have done it, and it would have made sense, right? Hey, Jared from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, he don't know no better. Go, go on, check this out. He would have done it, and it would have been okay. But you can't do it. Man, you just lost all your, all your respect from everybody. Unbelievable. I mean, I got your back, but geez. Do you? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm giving you great fatherly advice, man. I'm taking it from being a friend to now a father. Don't ever tell anyone that again. Don't tell anyone that. And I usually am pretty open and honest on the radio. Sometimes there's things on the radio you probably shouldn't say out loud. That was one of them. <laughs> that was one of them, my man. Don't tell anybody that you bought a steak from the dollar store. But, hey, there you go. We, we learned stuff about Taman on Martin Luther King Day. So there you go. It's all good. 2.15 is the time. You know the guests that are coming up on the show. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. All right, Raider Nation, so now that we found out that DeMond's a Dollar Tree shopper when it comes to the steaks, we want to know the real deal. I got a real question that I want to throw out there. I'm not going to ride that all show long, maybe two hours and 45 minutes. I might let you off the hook the last 15 minutes of the show and not mention it. But do have a topic that I'd like to bring to the table each and every, 
every day. And today is really, when you looked at the playoffs that we saw this upcoming, this past weekend, and of course what we got coming up this upcoming weekend when it comes to the divisional playoffs, where's the gap? How big is the gap, in your opinion, between the Raiders and I say the best teams in the AFC, like the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs, who obviously didn't play? You know, we saw the, the Raiders and the Chiefs week 18. We saw them close things out at Allegiant Stadium, and it was bad. It was ugly. But like I said, following that game, I don't think anything is as good as it looks, and I don't think anything is as bad as it looks. I feel like it's always somewhere in between. So when you look at the talent, when you look at what the, the bodies of work are capable of doing, how far do you think the gap really is? Like, what's the realistic gap? I mean, you got to be, you know, one of 14 teams to make the playoffs. You know, if you're going to be a team that's going to strive weekend or uh, year in and year out to make the playoffs, like I mentioned, you've got to be one of the best seven in your conference. How close to being a, uh, even a seventh seed are the Raiders, in your opinion? With the talent that they have and given whoever is the, the guy, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. There's obviously a ton of speculation, including the guy that's playing tonight, but I don't know until – until they're signed on the dotted line and it's a done deal record. I don't know who it's going to be. It could very well be a guy that's in college right now. Hell, C.J. Stroud, just, he just declared for the NFL today. It very well could be him for all I know, right? Only time is going to tell who the trigger man is. But based off the fact of they get a, a, a guy that you have confidence in at the quarterback position, how far do you think the gap is from them being where they are right now to just being a seventh seed in the AFC? You know, and then obviously, like I mentioned, the best teams in the AFC – the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they're going to face twice a year, so you get a good measuring stick with them. But outside of the division, but in the conference, you got the Bills and the Bengals. And I'll, I'll say this right now. I think offensively, the Bengals might be the best, best offensive team in the, in, the, in the conference. I mean, they've got so many weapons. And I don't know when it comes time to pay everyone if they're going to be able to do it. Uh, I would say that if you want to pay everyone, you can. You can find a way if you want to do it but some teams don't, but they, they have so many weapons offensively, and they have a quarterback in Joe Burrow who's he just kind of it's kind of that tough dude, man. He's just that tough dude where it doesn't always look good when he's doing it. It doesn't always look good when he's trying to run around and keep plays alive, but somehow he's able to do it, and he takes a lot of hits. He takes way too many hits. That offensive line has done him no favors, but, man, he's able to, he's able to make some things happen. And so you got to tip the cap and respect him for that, but you see how much he's been injured in his short career in the league. So they've got to figure out how to shore that up. They don't shore that up, man. He's not going to have a long shelf life, which would be unfortunate because he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, not just in the AFC, but in the league. But you see what Josh Allen got going on in Buffalo, and you see the Bills. The one thing I'll say about Josh Allen is he, he turns the ball over quite a bit. You know, he believes in his arm, which is great. You want him to have confidence. He pushes the ball down the field, which is great. You want him to have confidence. He pushes the envelope sometimes, which is great. You want him to have confidence. But, man, there was almost an opportunity for the Bills to be looking up today saying, what happened? And, and their, their season almost came to a wrap because, you know, too many turnovers. But he's, you know he's a really good quarterback, big, tall, strong, stand in the pocket, or he can break contain if he has to. And sometimes it's a design run. He had a couple design runs over the weekend that I thought were really good as well. So where are they? What is the gap looking like between the Raiders and the best teams in the AFC and when I say best teams, I mean the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs. Those are the three that I'm looking at in particular. I mean, everyone else, you know, Baltimore, okay. They, I think that they're good, but I don't think they're great. Um, you look at the Chargers, they kind of know who the Chargers are. Now, I'm interested to see if Brandon Staley is going to stick around as the head coach after losing that 27-point lead. I mean, at one point on, on Saturday, they were up 27 nothing. I was on ESPN National Radio while I was on with uh, Orlando Franklin, former uh, Denver Bronco and Charger 
offensive lineman, and we were just kind of navigating through the game. And I was like, oh, this game's a blowout, this game's a blowout. And I was like, well, it's getting a little closer. Well, they scored before, before halftime. All right, well, they sc- well, okay, it's getting cl- Okay, well, now it's a game. All right, well, now they just lost. Like, it was, it was so wild, the change of, of two halves. It was unbelievable to the point where the Jaguars reporter was saying that all of a sudden the, the questions about Trevor Lawrence, if he's a real deal quarterback, were coming back. And I was like, dang, he had a pretty good season. But it was already coming back based off the four turnover performance that he had in the first half. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the game, it's like he's the hero again. So it's just the tale of two halves was incredible for that. So who knows what's going to happen with Brandon Staley and the Chargers. So I don't really consider them a great team. Now, they've got some things they've got to do. I think they're at like $10 million over the cap right now. So they've got some, you know, moving and shaking that they've got to do this offseason, which we know that that's, that's something that every team does. You know, they, they finagle with the, the salary cap. So they'll get who they need to get under, they'll get them under. So I don't really look at them as an elite team. But really, honestly, and DeMond, maybe if there's a team out there I'm not talking about, I look at the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs as really the, the best teams in the AFC right now, and that's, that's really all. So I think if you're the Raiders, that's what you're looking at. Like, okay, how do we stack up against those, and how, how do we get to their level as far as I'm concerned? Yeah, those are the only teams that you would say they're at the top of the class in the AFC. And every team of the, every team that's left in the playoffs in the AFC, they also have young quarterbacks. That's also something that the Raiders and the rest of the league should be measuring up against because the, in the AFC, you've got young quarterbacks. The, of the remaining quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes is the oldest at 27, I want to say, if I'm correct on Patrick Mahomes' age. So that's something that I'm paying attention to when it comes to the Bengals, the Bills, and the Kansas City Chiefs is that they got young quarterbacks and the offenses are explosive. The defenses just have to – Hold their ground, you know, hold the fort because, as you said, Josh Allen, he tried to give that game away yesterday, but yeah. still the offense is just that good to, you know, when you can make those those plays on a dime where he's beating the zero blitz coverage like it's nothing because he's Josh Allen right. and he's got that arm and he believes in it. That's where it's the arms race of you need a quarterback to compete in the AFC now. Right. I mean, it really does. I mean, you look at it and you look across not just the teams that are even in the playoffs, just look across the AFC right now. There's a lot of young studs. I mean, look, well – I'll even open it up. Forget the AFC. Look across the NFL. There's some young studs at the quarterback position. There really is. And so, you know, you've got to be able to find a way to compete. But, you know, when I look at just the overall talent, you know, if you just look at the talent on paper that the Raiders have and these teams that are in the playoffs that expect to go deep, like the Bills, like the Bengals, like the Chiefs, I don't feel like they're that far off, right? I mean, even though I know it's, it's it sucks to say that because they won six games, right? So it's like you almost want to pound your head against the wall. I had so many people texting me over the weekend while I was watching the game saying, the Raiders could have beat that team. Raiders could have beat that team. I, and, I, and as much as I want to say, yeah, they sure could have. I mean, hell, they could have beat the Niners. And the Niners, you know, in the second half, they beat the Brakes off Seattle. They just didn't find ways to get it done, one reason or the other, right? Either just didn't close it out offensively or didn't have what it took to close it out defensively. So that's why, the, obviously, the roster needs to be improved. But it feels like they're not really as far away as their 6-11 and record appears if that makes sense. So I'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. You know, what do you think? What is the gap like? Uh, again, the AFC is what matters. You want to win the AFC West. You want to be a division champ. You want to host the game. I get it. But just trying to be one of the, 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 the best seven teams in the conference, how close do you think that the Raiders really are? What's that gap look like? Joseph and Denver hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We do appreciate you. Raiders are extremely close to being a wild card team. They lost a ton of close games. Better quarterback playing a slightly better defense, and this team is a seventh seed easy. That's Joseph in Denver. And you know the one team that I feel like the Raiders really resembled this year? And difference, and it's funny, it kind of goes to Joseph's point, is the Minnesota Vikings. 
The Vikings won 13 games, but how many of them did they win one-score games, walk-off fashion? They won a ton of them. And what, Damon, all weekend or not all, all year long, excuse me, I've been saying that I didn't believe in the Vikings. I didn't believe in the Vikings. I thought that they weren't really the, a real deal team. They have a good offense, but their defense, me and you could score on them. Well, if you look at the Raiders, they got a real good offense, but the defense, me and you could score on them, right? And last year, in 2021, when they did make the playoffs, they won all those walk-off wins, those one-score wins. They won them where uh, uh, this year they lost them all. So I feel like that the Raiders were very much like the Minnesota Vikings. And, I mean, again, the Minnesota Vikings were sitting there at 13 and, what, 13 and 4? Were they win 13, 13 games? Whatever they were. They hosted the, the, the playoff game. So, I mean, that, that was a really team with a really good record that I really never believed in as a, as a quality team. And a lot of it had to do with the one-score wins. that they Just the way that they were winning games, it just didn't feel like that they were that, that solid of a team. So if, you know, if they could win that many games and, and win games like that in walk-off fashion, and the Raiders obviously could because they did it a year before, and I feel like that they're somewhere close to – Close to that team, that could be that playoff team. They just couldn't find ways to win them this year for one reason or the other. Obviously, there's a lot of blame to go around. The whole team is not just pointing in one direction, not just the offense, not just the defense, not just the coach, not just the quarterback, but the whole team. They collectively lost it. But it just feels like they're a lot closer than at least based off what I saw this weekend. So that's the question. Based off what you saw this weekend, what does the gap feel like between the Raiders and the rest of the teams in the AFC, the best teams in the AFC like the Bills? the Bengals, and the Chiefs. Let us know about a 69187 keyword R&R. That's our don'tbebroke.com text line. Coming up next, Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ. He'll join us to talk all things Raiders and give his thoughts on the NFL playoff weekend. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We are here. At the Oyo Hotel and Casino, we're here every single Monday for Monday Night Football. Tonight's Monday Night Football action is a playoff game. It's going to end up Super Wild Card Weekend. Tampa Bay hosting the Dallas Cowboys. High-profile game, a game that's been talked about on all platforms all weekend long and will get talked about later on here. Uh, matter of fact, coming up around 3 o'clock, we'll talk with John McClain about tonight's game. Plus, we'll give you our own little preview coming up in the third hour of the show. But... Uh, right now, DeMond Cotton is efforting Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ. He'll join us in a few minutes to go over his grades that he put out in the RJ for the Raiders. Had a couple Fs in there, had a C. Uh, I, think, I think he might have had an A. He had an A in there as well, but uh, we'll go over his grades. We'll talk to him about what he thinks the Silver and Black need to focus in on this offseason. Moving forward, how they can improve their team and be one of the teams that are playing Super wild card weekend, or even maybe not even playing, maybe sitting out and uh, getting ready to host a game in the divisional round. Maybe if they're a, a one seed like Kansas City, how they didn't have to play this upcoming weekend, they'll play next weekend. They'll host the game uh, against the Bills. That should be a, a fun and exciting game. No, they don't have the Bills. They have the ja the Jaguars have uh, the Jaguars have Kansas City. So there you go. That's that shouldn't be a fun and exciting game. I think Jags uh, Jags magic is going to run out in Kansas City. But uh, that's the beauty of being able to host. And being able to be the, the one seed, you get the team that, that has to fight their way to get there. And uh, now Jacksonville will make their way to Kansas City. But we'll talk about that later on the show. Right now on the phone lines is our good friend Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas. And uh, also the RJ does a fantastic job with both. And, Ed, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you, my man. And uh, without even paying attention a whole lot to the games that happened this weekend, we know we had Super Wild Card Weekend uh, just in general, from what you saw from the Silver and Black all all season long, how close do you think that they are to 
being a seven seed. Basically, you know, the, the last team that can slide in to the playoffs moving forward. Like, with the talent they have on the roster, how close do you think they are to being a seven seed? I mean, I think they're probably closer to uh, the most imagined because it was, I think it was four and nine, I think, in one score game. So you win two more of those, and all of a sudden, you know, you're talking three more of those. All of a sudden, you're talking as a seven seed. Um, so if they didn't play as many one score games, I might have a different opinion. Had they just gotten blown out every week, you know, and they just weren't in games, I might have a different opinion. But, you know, look, the year before that, they went seven and two in one score games and had a bunch of walkouts, mm-hmm. kind of like the Vikings this year. So. Yeah. I think they're closer to a seventh seed than maybe people think only because of how close games were this year. You know, and that's the team that I compared them to was the Minnesota Vikings. They were able to do a lot of good offensively, but their defense couldn't stop anybody. And so that's what happened with Minnesota, and you saw that they lost in the first round. It's, it felt very similar to the Raiders' season. And, and like you said, they won all those one-score games in 2021, and they lost them all in 2022. Yeah, they lost them all. Uh, and there were reasons for it. We've gone over defensively. Uh, you know, I don't think Derek had a great year before he was benched. Um, you know, they had a lot of issues. I mean, they had a leading rusher. They had a great wide receiver. But they had issues also other places, especially defensively. So when you have that many problems defensively, I'm not so sure you're surprised that you lose one-score games. No, no, not at all. Ed Graney is our guest from ESPN Las Vegas and also the RJ here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. As far as the Raiders' defense goes, uh, I'm assuming that they're going to have a lot of attention focused on the defensive side of things this offseason. Do you think Patrick Graham, with the with better weapons, with better talent on the defensive side of things, can get that defense to play the way that he envisions? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think you're right, Q. I think there's going to be a roster overhaul defensively, and they're going to try to rebuild that thing. But Patrick Graham, like most of those guys, um, and I have a story coming out in the RJ, uh, Max Crosby says, you know, they have to define what the standard's going to be. And he said, that's everyone. And you were there that day, I think, when he was talking about yep. this, where, yep. you know, I mean, the standard has to be raised. And that means, you know, 11 guys playing at one, not, no matter what the score is, uh, not worried about outside influences. So Patrick Graham's like everybody. He's got to prove himself, too, in my opinion, uh, starting with the GM and the head coach and all the staff and the players as well. And I'm glad Max said that because he kind of put it out there that, hey, you know, this wasn't good enough. 6-11 six, six and 11 wasn't good enough. You know, it's unacceptable. So, yeah, I think Patrick Graham, I mean, I think he wants different players. I mean, he must want different players because they weren't very good this year. But even if they rebuild, he's going to be in the same boat as everyone. He's going to have to prove his worth as well. No doubt. No doubt. Again, Ed Grady is our guest from ESPN Las Vegas and the RJ here on Red Nation Radio 920. Uh, DeMond's got one for you. Ed, you mentioned how Patrick Graham, how he's going to want some different players, and Max Crosby saying that the standard needs to be higher for the Raiders in the locker room. But with the overhaul that they need to make on the defensive end, it doesn't make sense, or is it realistic to think that they'll be able to get all the pieces that they need on defense in one offseason? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, Devon. I don't think you can say, hey, we're going to rebuild the entire thing and we're going to get everyone we want at certain positions. But they have to get several of them. Uh, I don't think you can do it all in one offseason. There's, you know, cap implications. Who are you talking about? Are you going to use draft picks? Are you going to play kids early? Are you going to try to go get some high-priced draft choices, or excuse me, free agents? You know, I think they'll do a multitude of those things. But you're right. Uh, you're right, Damon. I don't, I don't think you can do it all at once, but you better be a lot better at it, and you better get, you know, different guys in some of those positions because, you know, you're, you just don't want to waste years like this like Crosby had. You know, I mean, I know he's only in his fourth year, but you have one of the best edge rushers in football a guy, in my opinion, who should have been all pro but wasn't. Um, and when you have players like that, you want to put people around him that are successful and that want to play like he wants to play. And he said that, 
you know, he wants to play beside guys who, you know, are all in from the very moment and it starts in the off season. Um, he had a lot of great quotes to us uh, about that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can do it all at once, but I do think that they better get a lot of different guys there on the defensive side of the ball. But who on this roster now do you think exemplifies what Max Crosby wants? Who do you think is worth keeping around for next season? I know that Chandler Jones, that he's automatically a part of this because of the contract that he has, but who else do you think is going to be a starter maybe on this Raiders roster next year? Well, I mean, I think Nate Hobbs comes uh, is back. I mean, I, I don't, you know, Trayvon Mooring, um, I think he's not, and those guys both decreased in their PFF rankings this year. Um, you know, you know who, I, I don't know what Q's opinion of this guy was, but I thought who had a nice year was Daron Harmon. Um, you know, now you got to mm-hmm. see where he is in his career and, you know, what he wants to do with his career. Uh, but there'll be, there'll be guys that either are still on rookie contracts, you want them on rookie contracts for the money in terms of the, you know, the cap and everything that are going to get second, third looks. You're right about Chandler Jones. They can't afford to, they can't afford to, to hit uh, if they moved on from So I think he's back for sure. Um, but, you know, I think there'll be guys back that are on this, this roster still with good contractual things, and that's what it's going to come down to really is how you make the contracts work and how you make the money work. Um, but you just they, I think they really need to go interior off defensive linemen. You always need corners, but I really think if you beef up the interior, it would really help out a guy like Crosby, and maybe it helps out Chandler Jones. Maybe Chandler Jones has a – has a bounce back here, even at his age. Ed Grady is our guest. It's in the RJ here. Nine twenty. Wanted to ask you about Amik Robinson. He was a guy to me that had a very up and down season, but he never quit fighting. What did you think about uh, Amik and what he had in twenty twenty two? Exactly what you said. Um, roller coaster year. Uh, you know, always you know gave effort. I think. Q, I think he's, uh, in terms of effort, one of the guys Crosby's talking about. Now, um, maybe they can do better than him and still get a guy like that. But I think he hit it on the head, you know, in terms of up and down. Uh, never kept, never kept, you know, always kept fighting, always tried to improve. Um, but, you know, it's going to come really come down to who can they get in that spot if he's better or if they think they can just continue to coach I mean, up. But that's the kind of guy I think Crosby, you know, is talking about where he's all in. Um, and, you know, he, he, he fights hard to stay, stay good, but he's going to have to prove himself as well. I'm also going to apologize for the background noise if there is any because I'm at the BGK game and they're very excited here. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. You're good. I'll tell you what. I'm over here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo, and there was already okay. plenty of uh, BGK folks over here too, so I know, I know how excited they are, and it's awesome. Let's go over your report card that you put out in the RJ. Oh, I thought geez. it was uh, really good stuff as always, of course, but – you gave the offense a C, and I don't disagree with that at all, but I-, I wanted to add, can you imagine what the offense was like if it really clicked? Because they had some really good moments, right? They had a 1,600-yard rusher, a 1,500-yard receiver, 14 touchdowns for Devontae. Josh had an incredible season, and they left a lot of meat on the bone. How good could this offense yeah. be if they're clicking on all cylinders and have the right guy behind center? Well, I, uh, I-, I cringed a little to see. I'm with you on that. I thought – because they had the leading rusher in the league and what a, you know, a, a historic year for the Raiders organization by Devontae breaking Tim Brown's record. Uh, but I don't think they ever addressed the line. And like I said, I don't think Derek had a great year before he was benched. So that kind of you know, put, the, put the grade down. But I think you're exactly right. If they fix the line cue, and you know, who knows who's behind center, that's the biggest offseason story they've had in, in years and years and who's going to be behind center on that team. You know, we've heard everyone from Brady to Garoppolo to they're going to draft, they're going to trip and draft the guy. I don't know what they're going to do. You and I and others will be following that very, very closely. But I think, you know, you get Hunter back healthy, 100% healthy. Waller comes back 100% healthy. You have Devontae. 
you have. I think I think they will bring back Josh Jacobs, and you know I don't know if they're going to tag him or you know agree to a deal with him. But I think he's back. Um, you fix that line, and like you said, at best get the right guy behind center. I don't think it's a C next year. I think it's a really really good offense. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, the potential is there, and we all know about potential, but it's definitely there to them to have a really explosive offense. As far as the coaching goes, uh, they didn't get a good grade from you. You gave them an F, you know, so uh, tell us why you gave the, the coaching staff an F and how can they improve it next year? Well, I mean, they went from 10-7 and 7 to a playoff game to 6-11. and 11. Um, And that's not – look, it's not all on one person. Right. I get that. But he and the staff have to do better. Um, and we, you and I have talked about this a long time. They did not come into this year saying it's a rebuild. Now, you start saying that when you lose right. a lot. That's, it suddenly becomes a rebuild when you lose a lot. But they did not do that. Their actions in the offseason were not of a rebuild, given you know what they gave up for Devontae going inside and Chandler Jones talking up this team. That was not the action of guys who said, we're going to rebuild and it's take a long time. But now that you're 6-11, and 11, those are the quotes we hear. Um, so, and that's fine. That, that would happen anywhere. They're not, they're not immune to that. They're not, some, they're not, you know, original to that fact that when things don't go well, the message changes. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he has to do better. And, you know, I give him credit, you know, he, he's a coach who walks in and stands up and says, you know, that's on me. I'm the head coach. I have to do better. How much he believes that we're not sure, but he says all the right things. Um, so yeah, I don't, you right. can, it's very cut and dry with me. I mean, if you, if you're six and 11 off a 10 and seven season and went to the playoffs, you just didn't do you didn't do very well. And again, it's not one person, it's not just the staff, it's everyone, it's the players, it's the execution and everything. But he is in charge and this is his team. And I just think he has to do better next year. Yeah, when you're six and eleven you underachieved. There's no other way to put it. You yeah. underachieved and, and you should have done better. So how much pressure, Ed, do you believe is on Coach McDaniels when you look across the league and you see a Brian Dayball going to the second round of the playoffs? You see a Coach McDaniel in Miami almost getting to the second round of the playoffs with a third-string quarterback. You see Coach up in Minnesota hosting a, a, a playoff game. How much pressure is on Coach McDaniels when these guys are first-year head coaches and they're getting it done? I mean, I think there's as each ensuing year comes, the pressure becomes heavier if you don't get it done, right? Um, you know, there'll be more pressure on him next year than there were this year as a first-year head coach. But it doesn't help the narrative when those other first-year coaches are doing what they're doing. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know if you're sitting right. back and looking through the crystal ball of, you know, how to compare guys, well, he's a first-year now. He's not really a first-year head coach because he was a head coach before, but this is his first year here. Um, right. So the narrative, you know, it, that's what we do in our business. You and I and everyone else, we compare things. So I was doing the same thing the other day, comparing him to all these first-year coaches and what they did. I just think as the years go by, the pressure becomes more intense. Um, it'll be really interesting to see who they get at quarterback because if they do get someone like Brady, I think the pressure even goes up higher if you're going to go get the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, yeah. I know what his age is. I know how he looked this year. But his pressure, the pressure would go up a long time in terms of if they got Brady. Um, but, you know, yeah, each passing year, if you don't get it done, you know, in this business – you know, which, you know, people want to go to the playoffs. Owners want to go to the playoffs. Owners want to win. Um, you know, the pressure becomes more intense. No doubt. No doubt. It should be interesting, Ed. It's going to be a fun offseason. I guarantee you that. It'll be a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of news and notes that we'll have surrounding the silver and black. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, a little Max Crosby story and what he told us at clean out day. And then also uh, Pete DeBoer, who uh, was the coach here at the Golden Knights for uh, – for three, two and a half seasons. Uh, Pete's back in town today with his uh, Dallas Stars team, so 
I'm, we just talked to Pete for a long time, classy as ever, and uh, we'll write about him tomorrow coming home to the Golden Knights. Nice, nice. Well, enjoy the game. Keep up the uh, great work. As always, my man, we'll talk soon. Okay, take care of yourself, Q. All right, there he goes, Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas at the RJ. He is at T-Mobile Arena right now getting ready for VGK and the Dallas Stars as there's folks here at the Underground Lounge that is getting ready for VGK and the Dallas Stars. And, man, I'll tell you, it is a fun, fun city to be a part of uh, with all the sports that are going on. You just never know. I could be driving down the freeway and all of a sudden see a whole lot of traffic around T-Mobile Arena. I'm like, oh, yeah, VGK is playing tonight. Or else I could be in Henderson and, oh, yeah, uh, Henderson Silver Knights are playing, or the Ignite is playing at the DLC, or you know, what I mean, it's like there's always something. Oh, the uh, you know the the uh, Aces are playing at Michelob Ultra. There's always something going on. It is man, it is a fun time uh, to be around. So uh, we are really blessed to be here in the Las Vegas community and be able to be a part of all the sports that we have with the Las Vegas Sports Network. So of course, for all things VGK, make sure you tune into our sister station on the daily. Uh, the guys, the fellas do, the VGK insiders do a fantastic job on our Fox affiliate, so make sure you check them out. 2.45 is at the time. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We'll come back, take some of your calls, and get some of your texts, and then we'll get to John McClain at the top of the hour. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's easy to follow along with your favorite Raider Nation radio shows from anywhere. Listen live. The Underground Lounge is where we're at. It's inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. This is our Monday night spot. We're here every single Monday night. And, of course, we're going to be here for playoffs, playoff action. Tampa Bay is hosting the Dallas Cowboys. And Raider Nation, I want to hear from you. Got a few different subjects we want to hear about. 702-365-9200. Hit up my man, Damon, who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, our brand-new Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Basically, what we did, Raider Nation, we turned our, uh, what would you say, Damon, we turned our 2001 Escalade into a 2023. We turned it in. We upgraded it for a new one. Was this, it a 2001 or was it a little older than that? It was a little older than that, but this feel like the 2030. This is this 2030. Is, yeah, this is some high advanced machinery, my man. Well, have you been inside a 2023 Escalade? No. Okay, but well, I feel like I would know my Finley Cadillac. <laughs> go on over to Finley Cadillac and go check one out. Sit inside one, and you know. You know you got those big pockets, man. Go on and look at the, you know, go on and test drive that thing. See how it fits. They might be able to adjust the seat so you can hit the pedals and you can see over the dashboard at the same time. That'd be okay. They got your back. But that's what we did with our studios. We upgraded it from a maybe a 99, maybe a 97. I don't know what year it was, but it was an older model. And now we've upgraded. We've come into the 2020s. So now we got all the bells and whistles. You know, we've got the. We've got the uh, the side mirrors that blink when a car passes you, let you know someone's there. We got the video in the dashboard. You know what I mean? Like, we got all that. We got the uh, Apple CarPlay that we could text in. And so we're not texting in while we're driving. We can do the voice text and all that good stuff. We got all the upgrades in the studio, and we're still trying to figure out how to work them all out. You know when you get a new car and you're still trying to figure out where everything's at, even if you still had the same model, you just got a newer one? That's what we're doing right now. It's been, a, it's been a fun day. I got to shout out uh, Kevin and Jamie and Greg, who behind the scenes have done a fantastic job working so many hours all weekend long, endless hours, trying to make sure that we're up and running and have us in a position to even be on the air today. So they did a great job. So I cannot thank them enough. But Raider Nation, I got a couple questions that I want to throw out there to you after watching the games this past weekend. Of course, we'll see the final one in the Super Wildcard Weekend. We'll see that tonight. You know, how how – how far is the gap? How big is the gap between the Raiders 
and the best teams in the AFC, like the Bills, the Bengals, obviously the Chiefs. That's one of the questions. It's one of the questions that I have there for you. And then the other one is, how much are you paying attention to tonight's game? Does this game tonight mean anything more to you? Like, are you paying attention anymore because of the the reports and the speculation about Tom Brady? And maybe you just want to take a peek behind the scenes and say, you know what, let me see what this old man has. I know he's an old dude. I know he's the greatest of all time. But let me see what he's still got in the tank. Can he beat the Cowboys? Because the thing about it is, as much as what, whoever the next quarterback is for the Raiders, I would love to see a guy that is going to keep plays alive with his legs. We all know. It's been said many times. We've had plenty of people text us on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r and Brady's not running around. That's the obvious. He's not going to do that. I would love to see whoever the next guy is have that mobility, have that, that weapon in their arsenal. Like, I like what Jarrett Stidham did the last two games with his legs. I'm not 100% sold that Jarrett Stidham is a guy that could be a, a, a quarterback of the future as far as the, the franchise guy, but I think he could be a really good quarterback in your system. I think he could be a really good, solid backup quarterback. I just want to see a quarterback with a little bit of an it factor, just a little bit, a little, like I don't like to use the word swagger because I think it's overrated and I think it's overused, but it just has a little, you know, something to them where they're just, they've kind of got that little, that, not edge, because I feel like edge is, is, you know, like, not angry. I don't know the right word to describe it, DeMond. Do you know what I'm saying as far as the quarterback with a little bit of, you know how Jalen Hurts is? Like, he's not cocky, but he's, you could tell that he's very confident what he's doing. And you could tell that he's one of those guys that says, hey, guys, you know, jump on my back. I'll, I'll, I'll take you. You know, Lamar Jackson, when he's healthy, he has that same, that same quality. Josh Allen. You know, when he, when he goes out there and he's behind, you can see that, that, okay, no worries, we got this. Joe Burrow, he's got a ton of confidence. But it's like it's maybe it's straddling the line of cocky, but it's not quite there, if that makes sense. That's, that's kind of who I want. I don't know who, it, who that guy is, but that's kind of what I want to see for the next quarterback for the Raiders. Yeah, it's one of those things also where it's tough to say it now because we're in the offseason and we, all, we both don't think that Jared Stidham is that guy long term. But with, when it comes to that guy, as those guys that you just named, you know it when you see it. And it's hard yeah, to see exactly. it when you don't have that guy yet on your roster. But right, all those guys you exactly. mentioned, you know it when you see it. Right, exactly. You could just tell, man, like a natural born, just that dude. Right? And again, I, I'm not, you know, saying that I want a guy that's going to go like and, and, and be Baker Mayfield where it's almost annoying because he's, you know, just kind of feel you get that arrogant feel. You get that arrogant feel from him. So that's not that's not the kind of guy I'm looking for. I'm just looking for that confident dude, that dude that's got a little bit of swagger, that guy that could just, you know, just, just do what he does. And, and you, you know that you've got a chance every time that that dude is out there on the field. 702-365-9200, that's our Red Nation listener line. Let's go out to L.A. and talk to our guy, Eddie. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Eddie? Hey, how you doing, Q? Great to speak. Yeah, I'm blessed. Yeah. How are you? Good, good, man. Great, great games this weekend. But you're asking a question, how far is the gap? I think the gap gotten bigger after this year. I think if you notice in the game, especially wild card, you saw a lot of good coaching, elevating their teams, bringing those, especially you look no further than New York, where that team was last year to where that team is now. looks like a completely different coaching, I mean, a yeah. completely different team altogether. Okay, so if you ask me, the gap's gotten a lot wider. Now we need a quarterback. We still need to fix the defense, and we have issues on the offensive line. So the gap, to me, got a lot more wider. I don't, okay. I'm don't. i not a personal fan of the uh, of 
McDaniels yet. He can always turn it around. Obviously, we're yeah. fans. Short for Fanatic, we'll turn it around as soon as he he turns around and wins, right? But in the short term, I'm not impressed because of the coaching. Strictly the coaching decision-making, not being able to elevate players that would go on any other team and not be the same kind of a player. That's where I'm looking at it. So, yes, to answer your question, that gap got a lot wider when it was getting a lot tighter. Okay. Hey, good stuff, Eddie. I appreciate the call, my man. And I really like what Brian Dayball did in New York. I really like what he did in New York. He made things work with guys that weren't really even his guys. They were just dudes. And he said, you know what, I'm going to take what I have, these ingredients, and I'm going to make it work. And he got them to the playoffs, and now they're going to the second round. Uh, he made Daniel Jones go from being a bust to being all of a sudden a quarterback that they're looking to sign long term. I got to give Brian Dayball a ton of credit. And to Eddie's point, I think that that puts a ton of pressure on head coach Josh McDaniels. I know that him and Dave Ziegler are a package deal. I get that. They came in together. But, man, when you look at the success, especially in particular with the New York football Giants, when you look at them and what they've been able to do, I think there's got to be a ton of pressure because of that exact fact. And what Dayball's done has been fantastic. We'll talk about Brian Dayball. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs. We'll do all of that. When we come back, we'll talk to John McClain from GalleriesSports.com, Sports Radio 610. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're here every Monday night from Monday Night Football. Tonight we've got Tampa Bay and Dallas, and not only do we have that, we have all kind of prizes for you. We've got a Hooters beanie. we got a Hooters 2023 calendar. we got the Hazy IPA, the Hop Valley, the Raiders official craft beer. Uh, we've got all kind of tickets and T-shirts for you. All we need you to do is come on by and say, what up, though? You say that? We're going to hook you up just like that. 2.57 is the time. This is Red Nation Radio 920.